Hello and welcome to our Bible study time for this September 6. Once again, from the epistle to the Philippians written by Paul, as we often say, from God, through Paul, to the Christians in Philippi. In this class, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. After this, two more classes to complete the study in Philippians. We begin a new course of study after that, but today, in this session, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The main subject of this section can be called contentment through Paul's circumstances and his attitude. What is illustrated for us here is this thing that seems to so many people to be elusive and unreachable, contentment. One time many years ago when teaching this passage to some young people, I started with a little survey before I even read the text. I said, what keeps you from being content? And the answers were typical. Money, opportunity, attention, good health, and a great place to live. They just rattled off those typical answers. So I said, what do you mean? If you had money, opportunity, attention, good health, and a great house, you'd be content? They all said, yes. But I could tell there was a little resistance a little hesitance in their countenance and their voice. They knew where I was headed. I then cited several examples of people in recent news and contemporary life who had all those things but confessed to being miserable. If I were doing this exercise today, I might cite the example of Robin Williams. He had what many people consider to be all the benchmarks of success and contentment, yet he was so unhappy he took his life. Many other such stories. So there is more to contentment than just what meets the eye. Worldly success and material wealth and even good health. In fact, all of us have known people who were relatively poor, in ill health, with a very small circle of friends, yet with obvious contentment in Christ. Paul in this passage will tell us where genuine contentment is found. And I think you already know, and we are at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you had revived your concern for me, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Paul as an apostle of Christ, that didn't mean that he had some miraculously provided bank account, that money and food and travel expenses came directly to him from heaven. No, see, Jesus had said that preachers should be supported by those they serve. The laborer is worthy of his hire, the Lord said, so Paul depended either on his own side jobs to support his work or faithful brethren who supported him. The Christians at Philippi were very good about helping Paul, sending support according to their ability and opportunity. Paul rejoiced that these people had this concern and that they acted on this concern, of course, according to their opportunity, their resources. That's the idea expressed in verse 10. One translation has it like this. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. You know, we can only do what we're able to do. Even though we care, we are sometimes limited by resources and opportunity. All understood that, but rejoiced that their support had been delivered once again. In verse 11, there is this critical word of clarity. Not that I speak of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. There's our subject, main idea, contentment. Here at verse 11, we get to explore this. Based on all available evidence, the economic judgment would very likely be that Paul was needy. If you have people after you, if you are put in prison because of your faith, our assumption might be justified that Paul was economically a needy person, that he didn't do well financially. But for Paul, contentment was far more than an economic issue. Verse 11 says he was not speaking of being in need. Then he explains, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's incredible. Writing from jail, facing death, having been beaten and thrown out of more than one place, he says, I have learned to be content. We will let him explain the rest of that in a minute. But just here at verse 11, I need to emphasize this is something Paul learned. Remember, being an apostle of Christ did not mean he had everything directly from heaven in terms of his daily needs. The Lord didn't see fit to set it up that way. Paul was like the rest of us in this respect. He had to learn contentment. Uh, it was not natural, it was not automatic, it was not something he only reluctantly verbalized. He learned this from the teaching of Christ, the source of all good teaching. He studied the example of Christ, he applied the teaching of Christ, he had a good focus on the eternal outcome, he learned from the experience of being a disciple of Christ, he prayed, his prayers answered, contentment was something this man learned. And of course, I'm going to say to us, 
It is something we can learn from the same source, the example and teaching of Christ. You don't have to be an apostle in the first century to learn contentment. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, be certain you connect verse 12 with verse 11. The knowledge he speaks of in verse 12, he says he learned in verse 11. And that reinforced what I was talking about, that God didn't infuse this contentment into Paul's head. He had to be a student of Christ to learn this contentment. The learning of verse 11 led him to the knowledge of verse 12, right? He knew contentment because he had learned it from Christ. People who are not living in Christ, but in the world, absorbed by it, generally have a mood barometer that mirrors their earthly circumstances. People in the world generally have a mood barometer that mirrors their earthly circumstances. If money, health, and success is all good and relationships are all perfect, there's contentment. But if one or more of these elements of earthly life are low, then the mood is low and the contentment isn't there. Generally, people have a mood barometer that mirrors their earthly circumstances. When contentment is learned from Christ with that knowledge, no matter what the earthly circumstances are, there is a permanent level of contentment in Christ. Easy to talk about, harder to find, but possible in Christ. This is from the commentary written by Albert Barnes. A contented mind is an invaluable blessing and is one of the fruits of religion in the soul. It arises from the belief that God is right in all his ways. Why should we be impatient, restless, discontented? What evil will be remedied by it? What want supplied? What calamity removed? He that is of a merry heart at the continual feast. Proverbs 15, 15. And one of the secrets of happiness is to have a mind satisfied with all the allotments of providence. Albert Barnes said that so well. We're going to move on to verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's a point you may have heard me make before, those of you who listen to me often. If you just read the first part of this, it sounds like what the world says. I can do all things. If you stop there and leave out the rest of the verse, 
It sounds like what you hear all the time out in the world from a humanistic standpoint. I can. I can do all things. But Paul isn't agreeing with what the world says. We have to read the whole verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the him is Christ. I keep believing in him and obeying him. He supplies strength. Strength that I'm able to use to learn contentment no matter what my earthly circumstance. In my wrap-ups, here's where I want to go. A companion passage in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Just going to ask you to listen to it. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. And then I'm going to read Titus 3.14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. There is no recommendation implied in this that you ignore your earthly circumstances altogether, take responsibility, rather that you not let your earthly circumstances dominate your mood or cancel your faith. I want to thank you for being with us. Next time we'll be in Philippians 4, 14 to 23, and coming up soon, in these classes that we provide on YouTube, 17 periods of Bible history. That's going to come up, the first class tentatively set for September the 13th. Thank you for being with us.